Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale i Nur by Bedeuz Zaman Said Nursi podcast series. You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you listen to your podcasts or at the websites, a website www.reflections-rn.org. In this episode, inshallah, we will continue reading the 10th word. The 10th word is about the existence of the hereafter. It is about the verity of bodily resurrection, that we don't die and perish, but we die and then our spirits live on, and there will come a day when these spirits will be given bodies again, will be convened, assembled before God, judged, and then sent to hell or paradise as their uh, permanent abodes, except for those who will be cleansed off of their sins in, in hell and then uh, you know, turned over to paradise again as their permanent abode. That there is a life after death in this world. There is another life and that is the real life. In the introduction of the tenth word, which we read in the previous episode, we imagine two friends, two brothers, who found themselves in a paradise-like place, looked around, so that everybody were going about their business, there was perfect orderliness, yet uh, people did not leave their doors, uh, people left their doors unlocked, they did not close their doors, and it seemed there also were abusers who could walk in to those houses, take whatever they wanted, and move out, and there, there, there did not seem to be an authority in place that took care of these abusers, that punished them. One of the brothers looked around and saw, saw the perfection in the uh, orderliness, beauty, creation of this world and said this perfection cannot come from nothing there must be an organizer there must be someone in charge who is consciously uh, intentionally with intellect with with with uh, purpose making this and therefore he understood that there was somebody in charge and he also thought that this somebody in charge must be really powerful. If he is so powerful, he's not going to leave these abusers go about their business, but they are not being punished in this world. Therefore, there must be another world that where they are going to be um, chastised, admonished, punished, taken care of. So he understood that all of these things did not belong to nobody. They belong to somebody. There was an owner, and he also understood that if there is an owner, this owner must want us, the two brothers who found themselves in this world, to behave in according to some rules, because this is a perfect world, and if we don't behave according to some rules, we are going to ruin the perfection. He sent us here. He is looking over. He is seeing us. He is following us. There must be some rules to follow, and we should not behave like, like those abusers who walk into houses, steal things. We should follow order. We should preserve order. The other friend, on the other hand, said, no, I don't see a king. Uh, the, the first friend used the word king, Padishah, Sultan. I don't see a king around. I don't see it, therefore I don't believe in its existence and all of these things are not necessarily properties belonging to uh, somebody they must be endowed they must be public property everybody is using it therefore i'm going to to use it in however i want to use it the other brother said then look you are wrong and because you are doing things that 
are not going to be appreciated by the owner of these places you are going to put yourself into trouble come let me help you understand the reality of what is going on here i'm going to uh, start begin by giving you 12 proofs for the existence of a life after what we see here for the existence of a life beyond what we see here where the sultan must be um, exposing his power and majesty uh, completely and taking care of these abusers and maybe not maybe and, and rewarding those who follow his commands and orders the other one was um, stubborn did not want to believe this because he wanted to go about uh, following his vain desires taking whatever he wanted to take the other brother was trying to control him put uh, breaks on his behavior and he said again i'll show you uh, this in 12 proofs or in 12 ways 12 forms the word that ustad nursi uses here is surat and it is basically form i'm going to show you in 12 forms but each form is a proof therefore i uh, use the word proof the first form the first way in which we are going to prove the existence of a hereafter we are going to start from there birinci suret the first way in which we are going to prove the existence of a hereafter or the first form hiç mümkün müdür ki bir saltanat bahusus böyle muhteşem bir saltanat hüsnü hizmet eden mutilere mükafatı ve isyan edenlere mücazatı bulunmasın burada yok hükmündedir Demek başka bir yerde bir mahkemeyi kübra var. Is it at all possible that in any kingdom and particularly so splendid, splendid a kingdom as this one there should be no reward for those who serve obediently and no punishment for those who rebel? Reward and punishment are virtually non-existent here. Virtually is the important word here. And the Turkish is burada, burada yok hükmündedir. And that what that means is we talked about this word hükmündedir before. What that means is that perhaps there is some. There is some. We look around. For instance, there are these tribunals that humans uh, set up in the in the world. And when somebody kills somebody, they we if we catch them, we send them to that tribunal and they may be imprisoned. When somebody steals something, we send them to the tribunal, to that court, and they may be uh, imprisoned and punished in some way or another, one way or another. However, in comparison to the in, uh, injustices that are being done, this is so small. And we also don't need to go... Um, the, the way of punishment, negative sanction only. There is also the positive sanction aspect of this. There are so many good people uh, around us that we see who are so selfless, who are so given to charity and so on and so forth. But at the same time, we see that they are, they may not always be living a happy life. They have these difficulties in their lives. Uh, they get sick too. They lose their beloved ones too. Sometimes they lose their means of uh, they lose their wealth and they fall you know, into poverty. All sorts of things happen to good people too. So there, there are good things that happen to them too, like people around them appreciate them. Sometimes they feel this happiness in them for, for the charity that they do. But again, when we think of it, this is so small in comparison to the, the good that they are doing. So there is some level of positive and negative sanctions in this world but it is so minuscule that when we think about it when we evaluate it uh, in in detail when we analyze it it is as if it does not exist it is so small that it is as if it does not exist it is almost insignificant therefore it has the ruling of non-existence non-existence it does exist to a very small amount, but it is insignificant, therefore it can be disregarded. The ruling that we will apply to it, the way we will judge, judge it is that it does not really exist here. So it is uh, what, we, what, we, what, is, uh, what this is translated 
in this sentence is uh, the word vir virtually. Reward and punishment are virtually non-existent here. Uh, it's as if they do not exist here. That might be a better translation. They do exist, but so insignificant that as if they don't exist. There must therefore be a supreme tribunal somewhere else. So this is a kingdom. So we started with a um, statement. We said that this is a kingdom. And then we need to imagine what a kingdom looks like. Right? The word here is uh, sultanat. That's not necessarily kingdom, but the power of a king. There is the power of a king that appears to be in charge here. And what becomes a king, if this is a true king, is that he is going to reward those who follow his orders and preserve uh, order and justice and beauty and, and cleanliness and uh, good relations in his kingdom. And he is going to punish those who attempt to ruin this. This is what we expect from a king. This is what we expect from the presence of the power of a king which we observe around here. And it is not any kingly power. It is not any royal power. What we observe here is a splendid royal power. Imagine, especially in the spring. We talked about this before too. When all, all those uh, trees and plants and seeds and insects that were dead, though preserved in their eggs and uh, stems, etc., roots or seeds that were dead, but preserved there, all of a sudden come out and life sprouts. We imagine the, the amount of power, the majesty that we can ob we observe in the sprouting of power within a week or two when the spring comes or look at the the firmament think of think of the stars the planets all these heavenly bodies that are moving out in perfect moving around in perfect order and how massive they are there is a splendid royal power in charge in this paradise-like place, in this world. And therefore, as we expect from the more ordinary royal powers in the world, principalities, maybe we can call them, as we expect the royal powers that we see around in this world, or we saw around in the past, uh, today most countries around the world are not governed by kings. We can think of this as stately power. We observe that there is a splendid stately power in charge in this world. And as we expect the states of the world in which we live to punish those who disobey and hurt other people, and we also expect these states to reward those who serve. And this reward does not have to be a trophy, a medal, a you know sign of honor. No, it does not have to be all of that. They, they exist too, but it can just be the salary that the state, the government pays to those who serve properly. It may just be pension, retirement benefits. We expect this from states around us. It may just be preserving order in the country where these people live so that they can go about their business without being bothered by thugs. We expect this from stately power. Then think about the stately power that we observe in the creation. Think about the royal power we observe in the creation. Will we then not expect the same kind of reward and punishment from that royal power? Would that become that royal power? No. It must have, it must have a royal tribunal, a supreme tribunal where all of these rewards, uh, where all of these good deeds are being rewarded and all of these bad deeds are being punished. Yet we look around and we don't see it. 
That we don't see it does not mean that it does not exist. I have not ever been to India. I have never seen India. Does this mean that India does not exist? No. There are signs of India that I have seen. And the royal power that ob I observe in this universe is a sign that indicates to me that there will be or there is a supreme power, a supreme uh, tribunal, a supreme court where everything will be taken care of. All accounts will be settled. In that case, there is a supreme tribunal somewhere else. Ikinji Suret, the second form, the second way in which we prove the existence of a hereafter. Bugidishata Ijraata Bak. Look at how things are moving here. Look at this the execution of power in this world. Look at the administration in this world. And here we also get an indication of the way Ustad Nursi helps us understand the realities of religion and the reality itself. He starts from revelation. Because without revelation, it is very difficult to understand things as they are. Understand reality as reality is. We can all develop ideas that approximate it. That's why we have reason. We can observe things and move from those our observations to uh, through a process of reasoning to something that approximate the reality as reality is. But the reality is very big in terms of space and time and therefore very difficult for us to comprehend precisely. Yet, God is speaking to us in his revelation from a point where he comprehends everything precisely because he created it. He is over time and space. He is beyond time and space. He created time and space. He sees everything, hears everything, knows everything, is powerful over, over everything. He knows what he created. Therefore, when he reveals to us, that is certain information. So Stadnus starts from this certain information and then looks around. That certain information is about reality as reality is. It is not fiction. God is revealing us information about reality as reality is. Therefore, when we look around with that information, with the light of that revelation, we see what is happening here. We understand what is happening here. And we then use our intellect, we then use our reason to move from what we observe to what we learn from the revelation. We find the proofs in the creation. This is why the Risale in Nur is a guide to reading the Quran as a revelation. Understanding the message of the Quran. It's a guide to understanding the message of the Quran. As is other uh, you know, exegeses who are written by Arifun uh, Billah, people who know God and who know God's creation, who know what they are talking about. So Ustad Nursi says at the beginning of the second uh, proof, look how things are moving here. Look at the execution of power. Look at the administration. Look how things are being organized and administered. Nasıl en fakir, en zayıftan tut, ta herkese mükemmel, mükellef erzak veriliyor, kimsesiz hastalara çok güzel bakılıyor. See how everyone, including the poorest and the weakest, or beginning from the poorest and the weakest, is provided with perfect and ornate provisions. It is not only perfect in the sense that it is what they need at the, at the time. If we think of the a, a baby who is nursing, this might be a human baby or an animal baby, does not matter. When this baby is first born, they are given milk that is perfect for what they need as soon as they are born. 
And then three months later, if it is a human baby, let's say, if this baby is still nursing, the, com the, the content of the mother's milk changes in order to match the needs of the child at three months. At six months, it is perfect for a six-month baby. Now, mother's milk is perfect for a baby regardless. But there is this much detail that goes into it. This, this much subtlety. This much precision that goes into it. Everybody is, everything is being provided with perfect provision. That is uh, what is what their circumstances necessitate. And not only that, it is also mukallaf. The word used in Turkish is mukallaf. It is ornate. It is beautified. We eat food and there are so many different tastes to food. We don't just eat cornflakes that, like, that taste like paper. That could have been the case. For our provision, for our sustenance, what we need is nutrition. And nutrition did not have to have taste. We could have felt a necessity to eat in order to preserve our uh, sustenance and therefore eaten things that do not necessarily taste good. And sometimes this happens. Sometimes there might be dire circumstances where people have to pull out the roots of trees or the barks of trees and eat that and that is an indication that that could have been the case but as a rule the norm is that food is tasty it is made tasty for us and for the animals too they also enjoy what they eat so it is beautified we eat apples, it has a taste. We eat meat, it has a different taste. We eat uh, salty, we eat sweet, we eat sour, we eat bitter, we eat hot. And all of these have uh, receptacles in our tongues. And our tongues are made to taste those nutritions. So it is not only given to us for as sustenance, it is also given to us with, with, with uh, love with this beautification, with this care from the poorest and the weakest all the way up, we see that they are provided with perfect and beautified provisions. Kim says his hastalara çok güzel bakılıyor. Those who are sick and do not have anybody to take care of them are being taken care of in the best way. Those who are in the in a situation where they do not have anybody, there is somebody who is taking care of them. And, and sick does not necessarily mean the kind of sick that we understand. Sick means weak. If you think of a baby, it is like a sick person. That is how human beings become at old age before they die, if they live really long. They lose their abilities, they lose their dexterity, they lose their ability to walk, they lose their sight, they lose their hearing. That's how babies are when they are born. They cannot walk, they cannot talk, they cannot even see or hear properly. Uh, they cannot even go to the bathroom. But then God sends somebody to take care of them. Their mothers and their fathers or any, or any other caregiver. So those who appear to be the weakest, those who appear to not have any capacity to take care of themselves are taken care of in the best possible way. And for those who are at the end of their life, they are usually taken care of. God sends, sends somebody to take care of them, but then at the end, death is sent to them as a mercy. Hem gayet kıymetler ve şahane taamlar, kaplar, murassa, nişanlar, Müzeyyen elbiseler, muhteşem ziyafetler vardır. And when we look around, we see royal and delicious foods, dishes, jewel-encrusted decorations, embroidered garments, splendid feasts, all are, are to be found here. They are all here. Splendid feasts, royal and delicious foods. Imagine how delicious 
a food a mouse is for a um, cat or a bird is for a cat it has everything in it. it has fiber it has protein it has the taste it has it has everything that the cat needs and desires and then imagine the kinds of foods that we eat and then there are all these beautiful decorations look at the trees how they are decorated in the spring with those flowers how, look at the flower plants jewel and crusted decorations embroidered garments look at how the trees wear those leaves when the spring comes splendid feasts birds have a feast in spring with all those insects squirrels have a feast toward the end of summer early fall uh, with all those uh, acorns and other nuts that they can eat we humans are having feasts all the time look how much how much um, royal splendor is being demonstrated here bak senin gibi sersemlerden başka herkes vazifesine dikkat eder see how everyone pays due attention to their duties with the exception of empty-headed people such as yourself. Now, remember, of course, that in the introduction, we imagined these two brothers, two friends. One of them did not want to follow order, did not want to uh, attend to his duties. So he does not understand what is going on here. He does not understand the important significance of the duty that's incumbent upon him. He does not understand the importance of preserving order in this world. He does not understand how this relates to that royal stately power that is in charge and how that indicates his position vis-a-vis -vis that royal stately power. Therefore, he is empty-headed. He does not have the right thing in his head. All those that you can see around here attend to their duties with due attention except for those like you who are empty-headed. Kimse zerrece haddinden tecavüz etmez. No one transgresses his bounds by as much as an inch. Again, imagine a tree. Let's think of an oak tree. There are certain bounds that this tree grows to. And, and that is written in its seed. That is determined by God. And that is written in its seed. That is determined by God, willed, and, he, and God's power has put the capacity or puts the capacity not has but puts the capacity at any given moment in the seed and then in the seedling and then in the stem of the tree and then in the branches that power is put there by god he sustains the tree and then when the tree reaches a certain position a certain size it just stops we as humans have this quality too we have hormones that kick in at a certain point in our lives and that stop our growth. We don't grow beyond that. Again, there are occasions in which that, that, that hormone does not kick in. The growth hormones continue to be uh, sent throughout the body and therefore the person keeps growing and that is a sickness. And that sickness, the presence of that sickness shows us that it could have been like that somebody chose the norm that we see around over that abnormal situation somebody chose it god chose it it indicates to us that god chose this for us and look around how good this is for us how good he was to us how merciful he was to us how merciful he is to the oak tree that stops growing at a certain point because if it grew beyond that point its branches were be going to become so heavy that it was not going to be able to carry them look around how everything in the creation is following order and how they are not transgressing their bounds as much as an inch En büyük şahıs, en büyük bir itaatle mütevaziyane bir half ve heybet altında hizmet eder. The greatest of all men, or the greatest of all persons, 
all beings, is engaged in modest and obedient service with an attitude of fear and awe. Think of the angels that carry the throne. Those are the most powerful thing in the creation. Or think of the stars, how massive they are. Think of the galaxies, how massive they are. Think of this earth that is going around the sun in 365 days and 6 hours continuously in a certain orbit and not going beyond that orbit, not exceeding the bound. How it is angled at 23 something degrees which allows us to have seasons and a certain level of temperature all around the world that allows the creation to live the lives that they are able to live at the temperatures that they need. Polar bears on the poles and that, that it's cold there. And then tropical animals in the tropical areas where it is hot. How this angle, the 23 something degrees of angle that the earth rotates on its orbit provides the, the presence of these changes in temperature and how this leads to these, these variations in the creation and how we can observe the, the multiplicity, the, the variety in God's creation in that. Which then leads us to the names and attributes of God that we can observe in, in various uh, forms of their manifestations. Ustad Nursi sometimes uses the word embroidery for this. The greatest of all men, all persons, and of course Ustad Nursi is here using the word shahis, not, not only to refer to human beings, because there are among the human beings those who obey God in the best possible way, starting beginning from our Prophet وسلم, who was the greatest of all men and he was the most obedient to his Lord. But then think of these great massive objects in the universe too, how they are following order, how they are following command, how they are not exceeding their bounds even by an inch in such a modest way. This is what they are ordered to do. This is what they are doing. Bound, obedient, in service, with an attitude of fear and awe. Demek şu saltanat sahibinin pek büyük bir keremi, pek geniş bir merhameti var. Hem pek büyük izzeti, pek celali bir haysiyeti, namusu vardır. In that case, we observed all of these things in this paradise-like place in this world. And based on this observation, we are now reasoning. In that case, the ruler of this kingdom, the possessor of this royal power, must have great generosity. Remember how everything, everyone was provided with the perfect and most beautified nutrition, sustenance, provisions. He must have great generosity and an all-embracing compassion. They are getting what they need. Everything is being provided with what they need. Compassion is to be moved upon seeing a needy person, needed thing, especially if it is asking for it. He must have an all-embracing compassion. And he must also have, at the same time, he must also have great dignity, exalted awesomeness, and honor. The words that we are translating here are izzet, haysiyet, and namus. Izzah is translated as dignity, and that is a good translation, but we also need to understand the subtleties of the word. The word. What izzah or izzet means is that the possessor of a power is also powerful enough not to let anyone to transgress his bounds, to take away his rights. He is capable of preserving, protecting his rights. If anybody extends his hand, he will stop it. 
and he has this power and he is also observing that power he is also using that power he does not let anybody transgress his bounds and then he has haisiyet he has a good name good fame he has esteem among everybody the possessor of this royal power this king has a good name and he is not going to let that good name to be sullied by anybody he is going to do what his good name necessitates and then namus honor he is not go get, uh, he is not going to let anybody again to transgress his bounds he is not going to let anybody to insult him to cast aspersions on him to harm his beloved ones to harm him Isaiah is to harm him and also those who belong to him namus is to harm his beloved ones he is not going to let his honor he's not going to let his honor to be um, made a subject of discussion no he's above and beyond that he is sitting on his throne and he has the power to preserve his dignity to preserve his good name to preserve his honor why we saw we already saw all these great things massive things in the creation in this paradise like world are following his command are obeying are not transgressing their bounds everything in the creation everything who are his subjects everything in the creation are his subjects and all of his subjects except except what except for those empty-headed ones like this wrongdoing uh, friend the wrongdoing person in our imagination or our souls compulsive souls that always want to transgress everything in the uh, creation are observing their bounds and therefore the one who subjugates them must have dignity he must not be permitting anybody to transgress his bounds he must be controlling all of his subjects in their place. Halbuki kerem ise inam etmek ister. Merhamet ise ihsansız olamaz. İzzet ise gayret ister. Haysiyet ve namus ise edepsizlerin teedibini ister. Now we understood, based on our observation and then based on our reasoning, that the possessor of royal power who created these things has dignity honor good fame good name he has all of those then we are continuing our reasoning now generosity requires liberality or perhaps a better way to translate this is that generosity wants to give blessings generosity requires the person who is generous who possesses generosity to be giving you cannot be generous unless you are giving you cannot be gener generous unless you are bestowing things on people right that is in the definition we are going by the definition here generosity means that the person who is generous will be giving will be bestowing will be blessing others that is what generosity means and that's what generosity requires that is, Zanursi uses the word, ist, word ister. That is what generosity wants, entails. Merhamet ise ihsansız olamaz. And mercy cannot be without bestowals. Again. Mercy requires, compassion requires, entails beneficence. It wants to benefit people. And it wants to benefit people or everybody everything in a beautiful way ihsan so it gives and it also gives in a beautiful way because it has compassion it loves them it loves them it has compassion for them it wants to meet their needs and beyond meeting their needs it wants to make them enjoy the blessings that that it 
gives to them. This is what compassion and mercy entail. And then, awesomeness and honor is that dignity requires gairet, gaira, jealousy. One who has izzah, one who has the power to protect his rights, will be jealous of his rights. Will not allow others to transgress over his rights. Gaira. Right? Dignity requires gaira, jealousy. But we need to understand both of these words, dignity and jealousy, in the, in the way that I am not now explaining. Being able to preserve, protect one's rights and privileges and possessions. That power, that capacity requires jealousy, the willingness, the interest in preserving them. Next. Haysiyet ve namus ise edepsizlerin teedibini ister. The good name, the esteem and honor requires admonishing or punishing uh, those who do not follow order, who are transgressors, who are not following the decorum that this royal power requires. Good name, esteem and honor requires or entails chastising those who attempt to behave in a way that does not become the good name and honor of this royal power in his presence. Who behave in his presence, and we are all in his presence, in a way that does not follow the quorum, that transgresses. Halbuki, şu memlekette o merhamet, o namusa layık binden biri yapılmıyor. Yet, Based on this information, based on based on these reasonings that we, I suppose, agreed upon up to this point, we look around at this country and we see that we do not see one in a thousandth of what this compassion, what that mercy and what that honor entail. We do not see one in a thousandth of what that mercy and what that honor entail. Zalim izzetinde, mazlum zilletinde kalıp buradan göçüp gidiyorlar. The oppressors leave this world, come here, live in this world, and leave it, pass on, in a state of dignity. And those who are oppressed come here, live, uh, face all that oppression, and leave the world in a state of abasement. Especially when we look at the world of humans, but we can see this among other creatures too. Lions with all their dignity and in royal decorum and movements and so on and so forth, eat the deer. And the deer, it is as if, of course it is not, but the deer, it is as if it is oppressed because the lion comes, takes its life, and does not give anything in return, and the lion moves on without being chastised by the deer. The deer does not get anything in return. Of course, the deer is happy for this, because the deer is created to glorify his Lord, and his life glorifies his Lord, and his death glorifies his Lord, because he is the sustenance, the, the provision that his Lord has provided to the lion. He is fulfilling his duty when it lives, or it is fulfilling its duty when it lives, and it is fulfilling its duty when it dies. But when we look at the human world, can we, let's think of the human rights tribunals that are rare cases. There are many oppressors that came in history, lived a life of oppression, and, and passed on in a state of dignity. And even now, we remember them uh, in a state of good fame. Imagine Napoleon. 
What a dictator he was. He grabbed power. He caused so much war and bloodshed. He ruined the lives of so many people. But then we remember him with such nice memories. We celebrate him. Why do we do that? He was an oppressor. He passed on as an oppressor. But we give him dignity in this world. And when we say they pass on in a state of dignity, we are talking about this world. We are not talking about absolute dignity. God knows what the state of those that we remember with a, a tone of celebration in this world is in the hereafter. He knows their state there. The Pharaohs, they lived in such a state of dignity that they were able to tell the people around them they were gods. What's happening to them? We know, we know a bit about this from the Quran. They are being punished. They are being shown the hellfire. But from the point of view of this world, from based on what we see in the physical world that we see around, they moved on in a state of dignity. And those whom they oppressed moved on in a state of abasement. We don't even remember their names. We don't even respect their bones. We put them in museums as mummies, if you, if you are thinking about the, the pharaohs. They move on in a state of dignity if they are oppressors, and they move on in a state of abasement if they are the oppressed. Then we think, we are sure that this, there is this royal power. We observed it in the universe, the physical universe that we see around. We can, we can uh, perceive with our senses. And our reason told us, and we have certainty about that too, that the one who possesses such royal stately power and the one who, uh, whose stately royal power manifests in itself in such dignity and compassion, in such mercy and honor, is going to preserve its rights, is not going to let anybody transgress, is not going to let any oppressed to live in a state of oppression. He is not going to do something that contradicts the dignity and mercy that we see in him because he has the power not to contradict it. He has the power, he has the interest, he has the willingness to do this, that we don't see it here. That we don't see something does not mean that it does not exist. There must be somewhere. Demek bir mahkemeyi kübraya bırakılıyor. That means that this is being left to a supreme tribunal. This is being delayed. The, the uh, case is being delayed to be taken care of in a supreme tribunal. Especially if it is a really, really serious transgression. Like kufr. Like disbelief. Disbelief is such a a serious transgression that it is not going to be taken care of in this world. It will be left to, a, to another tribunal. Why is it such a great transgression? Imagine everything in the creation glorifies God. Everything in the creation is obedient to God. Everything in the creation is, is observing this order and the beauty that emerges from that order except for two things in the creation, humans and the jinn, who have the, the, the power of, partial power of choice. They sometimes chose, choose to rebel. They sometimes choose to deny. They choose to cover over what is so obvious in the creation, that there is a possessor of these things. There is someone who made them. There is royal power. He has royal power. He has mercy. He has dignity. He has all those beautiful names. There are those individuals who deny all of this. And the thing is, the purpose of the star in the somewhere in space, 
that has been moving in the space in perfect order following an orbit following a route perfectly without moving an inch off of that route for maybe billions of years let's think of a star that is 10 billions of years old it has been following that route in perfect order for 10 billions of years and it has been sending light into the space its purpose will be fulfilled completely when a creature like a jinn or human being will see it observe it and say subhanallah glory be to god glory be to the one who created this star and keeping it on its route glory be to the one who has such a power and glory be to the one who has made this massive object which if he came close to it would be so hurtful so hot so uh, fearsome who has made it so beautiful on the firmament such a decoration for our heavens glory be to him the purpose of this star will be fulfilled eventually when a creature with partial choice who has the option to recognize it or not to recognize it recognizes it angels recognize it all the time that is their job but the angels do not have the choice of not recognizing it think of a <clears throat> child um, in good health loves chocolate you put this child in a room and put a bowl of chocolate beautiful healthy chocolate on, on the table in the room is there any way that you can imagine this child not going and eating the chocolate he is driven to eat the chocolate he has this inner drive that will move him toward the chocolate and eat it unless there is something that prevents him from eating it but let's assume that there is nothing that prevents him from eating it he is healthy he is not told not to eat the chocolate the chocolate is put there and the child is put there he will go and eat the chocolate a horse that is hungry and sees grass on the ground will eat it this is normal this is the inner drive the angels have the inner drive to recognize the glory the majesty that is manifest on the star therefore when they do it they are not doing this out of a choice between two options one of which is to recognize it and the other is not to recognize it so the glorification of the angels has a purpose has a point but there is a higher level of appreciation when we move on to a creature like humans and the jinn who have the option to recognize or not to recognize and now imagine a person a human being one of whose purposes in the creation is to see that star and appreciate it so that this higher level of appreciation is also presented to god so that God sees this higher level of appreciation too. He looks at this star, this person looks at this star and says, oh, star, and nothing else. Oh yeah, it's just a star. Or even, oh yes, it's beautiful on the sky. But he does not connect that beauty that he observes or that majesty that he observes if he knows about the massiveness of the star and so on and so forth he does not relate that to god to the creator he does not turn it into an appreciation of the majesty and beauty of the creator now what would the star think about this now you may say well stars don't think well God appoints angels to each creature in the creation that present their glorifications, that present their worshipful, worshipful states to God. 
And therefore, there is a conscious being that is appointed to each creature in the creation. The star has an angel that represents its function in the universe, and it is conscious. Or, let's not go there, if the star were to think, what would it think? I have been on this route. I have been preparing for this moment. I have been sending this light into space for 10 billions of years. And, and, and what did this person do? He ruined it all. The disbeliever ruins it all for the entire creation. What, what a great oppression. What a great misuse, what a great abuse, what a great wrong that is done to everything in the creation. So everything in the creation will turn to God and complain about the disbeliever. Yet, look around. Is there any disbeliever that is being chastised in this world because of their disbelief in a way that we can see obviously? Maybe there is one or two. Maybe you know, one might think of examples. Although I think it will be very difficult to prove that the reason for the chastisement of these people to their dis disbelief. But look at the norm. What is the norm? Who is more powerful in the world now? Who around the world is more powerful, lives in more wealth and comfort. What is happening to the believers? This is one, this, in a way, this is one of the uh, circumstances that we expect to happen at the end of days. Therefore, you know, if you think of the times when Muslims had glory around the world and they had power and so on and so forth, Yes, that was happening at some point too. But even then, there were millions, millions and millions of disbelievers who were passing on, who were dying without being chastised for the oppression that they did to the entire creation. And then, of course, there are the other kinds of oppressions that we observe in the creation. Human beings oppressing one another. Think of World War II. How many people died in that war for nothing? The Soviet Union lost close to 26 million people. The total number of people who died in World War II is over 50 million. Millions of Jews and gypsies and other people were sent to the concentration camps and killed, just killed. And this did not happen only in Europe to the Jews. It happened in, let's say, China. The Japanese did similar things over there. Think of what communism did to human beings in the 20th century think of the great troubles that people had to go in the soviet union because somebody thought that he had a great idea that he could let's say um for mao in china that the chinese people could produce more iron from the rest of the world from the capitalist countries by building furnaces in their backyards backyards and then everybody had to attend these furnaces throughout the year. They did not produce good quality steel. But what happened is because they were busy with these furnaces, they were not able to attend to their farms and famine followed it. Millions of people died. And billions of people around the world, I don't think that I'm exaggerating, it's over a billion at least, are still remembering Mao with a sense of nostalgia today millions of people are remembering stalin with a sense of nostalgia saying yes he had wrong he did wrong things but he was keeping order and he was not letting people steal and so on and so forth there are probably hundreds of thousands maybe millions of people who are remembering hitler with a sense of nostalgia these were the great oppressors of human history. There were great oppressors like them in the past in history, but none of them had so many people to oppress around because the world population was smaller. 
these are the great oppressors of history, of humanity, and look what happened to them. Yes, they died, but in the case of Hitler, until the you know last days of his life, he lived in a state of dignity. Stalin passed on in a state of dignity. People were fearing him. Mao passed on in a state of dignity. They caused so much oppression. And we don't have to go to history. We can observe, all of us can observe this in our lives. All of us must have been oppressed by somebody at some point and not be paid back. That happens. That is the norm. That is the norm of this world. That is what happens in this world. But we at the same time know, we observe, we just talked about this, we observed that whoever created this world and maintaining it has a splendid royal power. And that splendid royal power is manifest in mercy and dignity. And that mercy and dignity requires to punish those who transgress and to, to reward those who follow order and obey. We don't see it here, therefore it must be left to a supreme tribunal. Alhamdulillah, we finished the first two uh, ways in which we prove the hereafter. As we said before, there are 12 of them and, and we will continue inshallah. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana innaka anta al-alimul hakim wa akhir al-dawahum anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen al-fatiha.